welcome to the Golfing Mind, the podcast which looks at golf in general, but the mental game of golf in particular. The mental game of golf is a subject which has really interested me for many years. In fact, the mental game, period, how we manage our mind does impact on how we can perform at a physical level. There are people who have great natural talent, but uh, even at the highest levels of any endeavor, you'll find there's a very sort of uh, strongly conditioned mind. And today I want to look at um, uh, putting in particular, and in a sense, you know, the pursuit of putting excellence. Everyone would love to be an excellent putter. I mean, we'd all just love to step up with immense confidence and if we don't haul it, leave ourselves a tapping. But sadly, that's not the way it is. Meteorologists use the term perfect storm to describe an event where a rare combination of circumstances occurs randomly, but in a sequence that creates a storm of epic magnitude. If one of the contributing factors were not present, the storm would not occur with such force. Such events are rare, but their effects can be devastating. The expression perfect storm is now used in popular culture as a description of a worst case scenario. We all have days in the golf course when everything comes together and we are able to putt perfectly. And on that day, with no thoughts or worries to impede us, our game becomes as easy and natural as walking up the fairway. On those magical days, the hole is the size of a bucket. We do not think about our stroke, the position of our feet or hands or the length of our backswing. We read the line of the putt immediately and we trust our read. We roll the putt again and again into the centre of the hole with dead weight. Every golfer has a story of the day when everything went right. I had my moment in a match at Gaylord Country Club in Michigan and the first green I rolled in a five-foot putt for par. That sent me up for the round. And after that, I couldn't miss. I hold every single putt within 10 feet that day. What was more satisfying was the way I managed to find the centre of the cup every time. On that day, my long putts were also extremely accurate. They either shaved the hole or stopped within inches. Later in the match, my opponents, now convinced I couldn't give, couldn't miss, sorry, gave me a three-foot putt, which I don't think I would have conceded to myself. It was and remains the best putting performance of my golfing life. I felt I had conquered putting. The next day I played again. I returned to the course fully expecting to continue my streak, but the bubble had burst. The perfect putting conditions were no longer in effect. Something had changed. But what? In the 2012 PGA Transitions Championship at Copperhead Golf Course in Palm Harbor, Florida, triple major winner Patrick Harrington grabbed the headlines with a 10 under par opening round of 61. In this amazing round, Harrington took just 22 putts. On 14 of the holes, he required only one putt. When he reached the 18th green, he was faced with a 15-foot putt for a birdie and the course record. The way he'd been putting that day, a 15-foot putt was almost a gimme. In his post-round interview, he said, well, when it's your day, it's your day. I could have turned my back on the 18th and I would have holed out. On the following day, day two of the tournament, just like me, the spell was broken. Harrington shot a two over par 73 in the sixth hole. He missed a 12-inch putt. His touch in the green seemed to have disappeared. 
In his post-round interview this time, he said, I didn't have those 15-footers where you're not worried about pace. I tended to either have short or long putts. I was tentative on the long putts. What a difference a day makes. One day, Harrington's confidence was such, was such that he felt he could succeed with his back to the ball, yet the following day he used the word tentative about his putting. He was certain and he was certainly cautious. I believe his second day problems can only be explained by a loss of confidence. By any major, Patrick Harrington is a magnificent golfer. His three majors attest to that. His dedication to practice is legendary and his attention to detail on the range is precise. So here is a player with the right skill set, yet even as skilled as he is, Harrington is unable to bring his impressive ability into effect on demand. In an interview he gave after the astonishing first round, Harrington also said something very revealing. He said, I've been playing nicely in the practice. I shot 64 on Wednesday and I've been like that for a long time. I play better Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday than I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I know my game is good. One of the hardest things is to wait for the confidence. Well, as we know, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday are the practice rounds where the score does not count. The tournament starts on Thursday and then every shot counts. That introduces a very different pressure to each shot. And if there is one thing we know about pressure, it is that it erodes confidence if we do not have a coping strategy to manage it. After my perfect putting round, and I've just discovered they never put a plaque up on the course to celebrate it, but there you go. After my putting my perfect putting round, I did not suffer a loss of confidence. In fact, the effect was quite the opposite. I expected to putt as I had done the previous day. I felt I'd mastered putting, obviously. I had too much sun the day before to have thought that. However, the expectation unwittingly created pressure for me. It made me so more self-conscious of what I was doing and much less intuitive. I started to try too hard in the greens. If I had a poor putt early in the round, it dented my confidence. I did what we all do. I allowed it to bother me. And of course, more poor, poor putts quickly followed. We should putt with a positive expectation, but we should not be attached to the outcome. The ball is either going to go in or not, but it is important to retain some detachment. Take that outcome in our stride and get on with the game. When I first started watching golf and television, I used to wonder why the television companies concentrated so much in what was happening in the green. I wanted to see big booming drives or majestic irons, not short, seemingly simple putts. I quickly realized that the putting green is generally where the tournaments are won and lost. It's where the golfer shows their mettle. Like Ben Hogan in the mid-50s, it's no use being the best tee to green player in the world if you're unable to sink putts. I'm sure you've heard the old saying, you drive for show and you putt for dough. I first heard this when I was a wee boy back in the early 60s. So if putting is so important, what makes the perfect putter? I suppose you could define the perfect putter as someone who only takes 18 putts in a round of golf, one putt on every green. Since 1979 in the PGA Tour events, there have been seven players, including Corey Pavin, who have attained the impressive landmark of taking 18 putts in a single round. Incredibly, 
In the second round of the 2002 Air Canada Championship, Stan Utley took only six putts in the first nine holes. Such feats are rare. However, and inevitably apply to those extraordinary days when a player is on a streak and feels they can't miss. What we are looking for in our own game is consistency, a stroke we can rely on day in, day out. The statistic I found most impressive when researching putting records was that in 2008, Tiger Woods did not miss a single putt from inside five feet in tournament play. We can immediately see that a golfer with that kind of consistency will have huge faith in their putting. On the 29th of September, Luke Johnston three-putted the 16th hole of his opening round of a tournament. And nothing unusual about that, perhaps, except that it was the first three-putt he had made in the previous 449 holes of tournament play. In an age of obsessive golfing statistics, Johnson's run of 449 consecutive holes without a three-putt is the greatest recorded putting streak of all time. Imagine how confident he felt on the green. When I worked in television, I was once involved in producing a magic series for Saturday evenings. One of the show's regular features involved a guest magician from America in British TV. There were generally close-up magicians whose tricks involved very few props other than ropes, cards or other small items. They performed with consummate ease and professionalism. Part of the contract for appearing on the show was a first-class return airfare to London and four nights in a hotel. Inevitably, some of the magicians would want to stay longer but couldn't afford the cost of the hotel. As I just bought my first apartment and had an extra room, I always offered the visiting magician the use of my spare room in return they had to teach me a coin or a card trick. The tricks were always of a technical nature. They required a degree of dexterity while at the same time appearing to be easy and natural. I was a good learner, but even with a world-class magician giving me one-to-one tuition, I could not master any of the moves in such a short time. I always asked my guests how long it took them to learn and master the trick. And the answer was always the same years. They told me stories of thousands of hours spent as children alone in their bedrooms, learning the moves, practicing them over and over and over again. These were some of the greatest magicians in the world, and I saw without exception that their true secret was that they practiced relentlessly, and in so doing raised the level of their skill to pure brilliance. Many other magicians might know how the tricks are done, but they were unable to execute them because they had not invested the time to master the skills required. The lesson of the magicians was not lost in me. Excellence in any endeavour is a result of practice and not good fortune. If you're interested in learning more about the mental game, I have a 13-week online programme at uh, seegergolf.com. If you would like to get one-to-one tuition, drop me an email and we'll see what we can do. But in the meantime, until we meet again, enjoy your golf, keep your head down, keep in balance and play well. All the best.